welcome to today's podcast. I'm Louise and today I'm getting to know Matt Harris from The Growth Lab. He's here with us. Now The Growth Lab concentrates on lead generation for cleaning businesses. But Matt, I was going to ask you to introduce what is The Growth Lab and then I'm going to ask you a bit more about the history. Sure. Um, So at The Growth Lab, we focus on outbound prospecting for mainly commercial cleaning businesses. So what that means is we use email primarily uh, and some LinkedIn outreach. And basically, um, we use email to generate interest in um, cleaning services for commercial cleaning businesses. And then we have we sort of set up sequences to be able to book uh, face to face or phone appointments for the cleaning business owners. Um, or perhaps if there's a sales team at a cleaning business for uh, the sales execs, the sales reps, um, or even the the sales managers or, or sales directors. So really a lot of our uh, service delivery focuses around uh, email, um, outbound email prospecting, building lists, you know, identifying an ideal client profile, making sure that you know the right market that you're targeting, and then um, having a good handoff procedure once we have uh identify people who are interested in the cleaning service that the that is being offered uh, and then being able to hand those over to uh to the relevant business owner or you know member in the sales team to to then close the deal i love this but this is quite unique and i'm more interested in how did you get into this because you identified this need in your own business didn't you yeah so i had a cleaning business um which i sold three years ago uh and i started I started as a side hustle um, and I was initially just focused on sort of end of tenancy cleans. So um, I didn't really know where to go with it. First off, I, I knew I didn't really want to do domestic. So focused on end of tenancy. And then just by luck, I landed a, a commercial contract within the first uh, couple of months. And then after that, really, it was it, there was a lot of trial and error. I um, I would spend my lunch times cold calling um, to not any great effect. Uh, and then after sort of eighteen months of doing that, um, I joined a sort of uh, a mentoring community, and I started to learn new um, sales and business development strategies. Uh, and really, the the key strategy that I ended up focusing on was. Um, email so email outreach so I used to build lists of you know property managers or office managers um, or facilities managers at you know bigger businesses and um, we used to offer our cleaning services then so we you know I would uh, copyright like a sequence of emails and then send those out and those that had those replied those that replied with an interest I then follow up with a call and it's much easier to have um, a warm call like that, where you've already gone through the the pain of you know introducing yourself and and the service that you're able to offer, rather than just calling them straight off the bat and and getting a no, because inevitably you're going to go through a gatekeeper um, rather than the decision maker, and it was just a, a process of iterating to get into a point where okay, this is the most effective way that we're going to uh, win some new business. So then, how can we? you know, multiply that across a number of different sectors that we were working in. So I was doing that for commercial. So a load of offices um, it did end up doing it for end of tenancy cleaning as well. Uh, builders cleans um, as well. Um, and yeah, and it worked. And then when, after I sold my business, so we were in lockdown and. Um, you sold started, it in lockdown, did you? Literally uh, about 15 days before lockdown. Oh, wow. That was lucky, wasn't it? I say it's lucky. It might have booted. No, commercial didn't do so well in lockdown, did it? It depends what you were doing. Yeah, to be fair, um, 
the so uh the business had a couple of big central contracts and um one of them was for an estate agent with a number of offices and, and they wanted um quite a lot of um disinfectant cleaning and also obviously with the end of tenancy stuff that was still going on so actually the the cleaning business the first couple of months was a little bit rocky but after that they you know they flew because of all the sort of specialist cleaning that came off the back of that but um for me i ended up hanging out in um, quite a few communities online so facebook groups uh, and twitter um and I realized that there were two sort of really big problems that that cleaning business owners were, were having. One was finding new work, so finding contracts. And the other was um, keeping or finding new staff. And I thought, well, I, I know one approach that worked for me, which was uh, finding new contracts. Uh, and then I just started, you know, posting a few suggestions in these Facebook groups, getting some feedback, saying, look, why don't you try this? got a positive response and I thought well there's there's an opportunity here um you know I went on LinkedIn there's quite a few people offering lead generation services on LinkedIn but what I realized is that they didn't necessarily take the approach that that I or that we at the growth lab are taking now um because once I realized that sort of uh, outbound email was was a useful approach um I looked at what tech businesses are doing out in the States and, you know, they have, they use outbound email and LinkedIn a lot for their sales development. Uh, and I just started learning more about um, the processes they use, the sort of systems that they used, um, did a couple of courses. And off the back of that, I thought, okay, so if, if this approach is working for, you know, big tech companies, then why can't the same be applied to, to cleaning businesses? Um, and, you know, after a bit of trial and error, um, we started to get some traction. Uh, so we've got our first sort of five clients under our belt now, and, um, we're running campaigns for them and it is working, you know, successfully. So now it's just a case of learning from this process, seeing how we can change and iterate it. And then, um, and then just replicating and scaling up. So that, that is what the sort of next 12 to 18 months are going to look like. So you mentioned there that you identified that a lot of cleaning businesses were struggling to move from residential to commercial. Mm. Why are they struggling? So I think one of the main reasons, um, so in particular on Twitter, right? So Twitter, there's a lot of people who set up remote cleaning businesses as a, as a side hustle. So, you know, 90% uh, of the remote cleaning businesses, they're going to be domestic cleaning. So they tend to rely on um, Google lead services and um, and ads, either Facebook ads or Google ads to generate leads, which is fine um, because, you know, you get leads through, um, you provide a quote and it's it's all well and good. It doesn't quite work the same for, for commercial cleaning. Um, so the biggest challenge I think that people had is they didn't really identify a market within the locality that they were operating in. So what what type of commercial cleaning did you want to do is it you know cleaning offices is it cleaning warehouses um is it cleaning like the more industrial stuff or uh logistics or whatever the case may be deep kitchen cleaning um 
because they just took the broad brush approach of saying, well, commercial, so we'll clean anything. Okay, so the first step is identify your market and then kind of hone in on, on the niche that you want to serve. So if you're cleaning offices, for example, then are you cleaning offices for startups? Are you cleaning offices for established businesses? Are you cleaning estate agents' offices? Like what, which type of uh, niche did you want to focus on and what type of client do you want to serve? So the second step was uh, obviously identifying your niche, who the key decision maker is um, and developing your ideal client profile. Um, then the, the third step, which um, they generally tend to struggle with is uh, because they're relying so much on Google to generate the leads, then you're not having a real consistent approach with lead generation. So, you know, building the list and, and focusing on, um outreach on a consistent basis because you can do it ad hoc every now and again but you're not really going to get the results unless you're doing it you know unless you schedule time for it and you're doing it either daily or weekly um so those were kind of the the three biggest challenges that were faced and then you know everything that stems from that obviously uh, we spoke a little while back about residential and commercial cleaning and the, the fundamentals of the cleaning you know that they aren't very different you're you're going through the same sort of process it's only um the location that changes and is a little bit different um but there are i guess uh a couple of additional steps to take into account with commercial cleaning because generally you'll sign some sort of contract so then there's the negotiation stage and you know how and the pricing to a certain degree uh, and the the aftercare that comes after that as well because you're tied in for you know one two or three years whereas with residential like you can cancel on i guess a week's notice a month's notice so there is a, a little bit of a difference in that in that respect um but i think once you get over those kind of nuances then actually delivering the service your customer service you know keeping in contact with the customers learning from them is pretty much you know it can be applied to both um resi and commercial in, in the same way because uh, then it's you know it's customer service and you mentioned as well that you were speaking to a lot of people doing side hustles and remote mm. cleaning businesses. And I know within the DCBN, we don't have so many. There are a few people doing remote, but obviously mm. you were coming across quite a few people doing remote cleaning mm. businesses on Twitter. With your perception of the market, did you feel that there was a lot of people doing remote cleaning businesses? Yeah, but I say that there's a lot of people in the US. So on Twitter, the majority of people that I, I, I was speaking with or I do speak with are, are US-based um, cleaning business owners. Uh, in the UK, uh, you know, if if you have a cleaning business, then it, it's more likely that it's going to be your your primary job or your primary focus. Um, why so, why yeah. do you think there's a difference? Why? Because we're fairly similar as industries to a certain extent, aren't we? Yeah, I think the difference appears to me um, to be that they, the US market seems to be a little bit more tech savvy. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot in terms of processes that they'll adopt quite quickly. And there's a lot in terms of, uh, you know, developing, taking the online approach, rather than developing, or rather than taking a, a more sort of bricks and mortar approach to the business. Um, so the online is, like, I can be anywhere, I have all of these online tools, I'm going to use those to my advantage um, to be able to grow a business, whereas the more bricks and mortar approach is, well, 
you know, I need to start in this local area. I need to go out and start talking to people, you know, distribute flyers, that kind of thing. Uh, so, so there is, in, in my opinion, there is, there is um, quite a, a difference in the approach. Um, but yeah, so, the, you know, the majority of uh, people that I've spoken with in the US, they've set up remote cleaning businesses, you know, either their second or third side hustle. And they, you know, they go from zero to, you know, I don't know, $15,000 a month pretty quickly. Um, and I, I just, I, I, I don't see the same trend or the same pattern over here in, in the UK. Uh, and I know can I just say it's really interesting because actually half our well, no, probably about 25% of our podcast listeners are over in the US. So it'd be really interesting oh, really? to hear some of their thoughts on this. Mm. Um, but go on. So, so you're just not seeing the tech in the UK. No, I, I don't think, I think there's like a, a slower adoption to the tech because, and this is uh, the same I've found for uh, commercial clean as well. A lot of it is based on relationships, whereas it, it seems that in the tech, in the tech, in the US, it is, you know, transactional. Look, this is what I need to get done. So let me just get it done. Whereas here is like, especially if you're, you know, working within your local community, it's getting known, it's getting established within the community. It's getting referrals from, you know, business networks or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think, I think there's just uh, like, it, it appears to me a slower adoption process to, to utilize in tech to the advantage of, your business to to help it to grow um that doesn't mean that you know you're hamstrung um but it does mean that you're you're slowing yourself down a little bit because everything is moving online you know i, I did some research and um you know 60 percent of uk cleaning businesses have a website now if you don't have a website I saw this research I was going to ask you about this go on, only 60 yeah. and and there's if, this domestic and commercial yeah domestic and commercial now if you're not visible online if you don't have a google profile in particular google is the biggest search engine in the world if you don't have a google profile and um, if you're not collecting reviews on google then you're for all intents and purposes you're invisible um and you know simple things like having a website, even if it's just a one or two page website, um, which can be optimized, um, you know, and you can have a layout in there, which will take the, uh, the visitor on a, on a journey to not necessarily, well, to either book with you or to at least raise an inquiry. Um, and I just, I found things like that astounding um, because, you know, social media and a lot of your visibility online is is available for free and i just think utilizing these tools that are available to you yes it requires a little bit of learning if you're going to do it all yourself but we've got youtube for that you want to learn how to build a website go on youtube you want to learn how to collect reviews or how to you know set up your google and um, business uh, profile go on youtube that's it's all there it's free resource so I am completely sold. And I know that from my business, a lot, nearly all the leads come in through the website. But I find yeah. this quite an interesting topic because a lot of people don't get a website because uh, uh -huh. they feel they don't need it. It's a conversation I have quite often with people going, you really should get a website. But you sort of amalgamated social media and a website quite closely together, whereas a lot of people see them very separately. You can run your entire business and have enough work coming in off social media. Therefore, they're saying to me, well, I don't need a website. Yeah. I'm guessing you very much disagree with that. Yeah, a website is your it's your storefront. No, it's it's kind of it's your um, it's home base. It, it's where you 
you know, people go to kind of validate your, your service. If you don't have a website that that should be a red flag to a potential customer, because, you know, are, are you a serious enough business to in the 21st century, not to have um, a, a website is, is going to be a little bit unusual. You look at the biggest businesses, they all have websites. So you should replicate some of their behaviors um, and utilize the online space to develop your own website. Um, even if you don't optimize it, let's just say you have a one page website with all of your company details on there, a little bit of a blurb about what you do, that is still going to be more favorable than just, in my opinion, than just, um, you know, advertising your services on Instagram, or on Facebook, and not really having a, a fallback for when people come to, you know, search your online profile. Customers are getting more savvy that they, they will do their due diligence, right? They'll check you out online. So you need to have an online presence, you need to have an online profile. And a website is is a central part of that. I've got to say, I agree with you, but I do sure. speak a lot of different <laughs> um, And one of the other interesting things, um, you mentioned there that the people in the US are a lot more tech savvy. Mm. Um, but one of the boundaries, one of the restrictions I come up against is people go, well, I can't afford to sign up to this subscription and that subscription. And in the UK, we seem to be earning a lot less for doing the same job than those mm. in the US. Do you think that potentially that is having an impact on actually their ability to invest in technology to grow? Potentially, yeah. I think, um, you know, again, we, we've spoken about this previously. I think the disparity in, in the States, they're charging $50, $60 an hour uh, for cleaning. Whereas in the UK, you know, up until recently, 10 quid an hour was seen as, well, that's, that's just about enough, right? Yeah. Um, so when you look at it from that perspective, then yeah, it, it might be because, you know, services aren't being priced high enough. Therefore you're, um, prevented from investing in your business by the same token, you know, not everything is a subscription service. There are tools that are available that you can use for free. Um, I've seen your list on your website. I went through your great, you've got a great yeah, list, yeah. haven't you, of every app and tool you use. Yeah, you, you know, some of them are paid, but um, some of them are free. And, it, and yes, you might not get all of the functionality if you go with the free version, but it will get you started. And once you're started, you know, then you continuously invest in your business, reinvest in your business to sort of build up your tech stack. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the price disparity might be one reason why people don't invest perhaps also, you know, not taking, uh, a vested interest in, in like finding out what sort of tech is available, uh, and, you know, will help to, um, I don't know, automate workflows or, you know, help with, um, schedule management or, um, uh, or invoicing, for example, um, I think raising a little bit more awareness around uh, the sort of technology that is available. And again, in the US, it, it, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different options, which you just don't see being used that much over here. So I was going opinion. to ask you about this. One of the ones that you spoke about uh, yeah. on your website, which I'd never heard of, what's Notion? Uh, so um, Notion is uh it's like a, a workspace management app i guess so if you think have you heard of evernote yes okay so evernote is good for capturing notes 
So Notion will help you organize those notes into um, separate workspaces, for example. So actually, I'm not explaining it very well. One. You said that this was your favorite. This is the one app that you couldn't yeah. do without. So, so I, I pretty much run my life through Notion. Okay. So I have everything from, um, you know, my uh, goals and milestones for the business set out in there. I um, have all of my uh, standard operating procedures for the business um, that are linked to Notion. Um, all of my research is linked into Notion. Um, you know, I, I collect tweets in Notion, tweets that I like and that I want to reshare. All of my um, newsletter and my blog posts and everything is is written up in Notion so that there's one central database that... I can refer to that captures everything. And then from there, stuff is distributed out. Um, so I started using Notion maybe two years ago. Um, and before that, I wasn't really using anything. Um, I had a very much a, um, a disparate approach to sort of capturing notes and to-do lists and all that kind of stuff. But, and it's taken me two years to get to a point now where I'm using it consistently. Um, but even that in itself, to have like one central uh, reference point to to manage everything um, has been massively useful because, you know, I don't ever throw anything away. Uh, there's always... Um, Spoken like a know, hoarder there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> a digital hoarder. There's always something that can be reused, recycled, repurposed. But you, you, know. you didn't stop at just finding it, did you? Because I was reading further and you were saying that your Asana and your to-do list, you were using... Uh, what is it? What is David? Am I going to say this right? What is David Allen's getting things done? So oh, you yeah. sorted it all through. Yeah, you're yeah. a listener to podcasts, Audible. You're always yeah, learning. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. tell me what's, what, what's yeah. this all about. Okay. okay. <laughs> so look, I am, I, um, I'm not a productivity nerd by any stretch of the imagination. Um, That's but, not entirely true. And I've seen your but... <laughs> list. You are all about productivity. I not you, man. <laughs> entry level, entry level. Um, look in, um, during, I've always enjoyed learning. And one of the things that I realized I wasn't doing very well was um, utilizing what I was learning. So <clears throat> during lockdown, I start to make uh, a bunch of notes. Like, you know, I listen to, I don't know, maybe three or four podcasts a day. Um, and I take notes and then they wouldn't go anywhere. They would just be notes on my phone or notes on my laptop. Um, so I started following a few um productivity youtube channels uh, and ali abdal was um the guy who i followed the most and he referred to uh, david allen david allen's getting things done system and basically it's just a way to um capture your anything your notes your thoughts um you know uh um to-do lists that you or actions that you want to take within your business a way to organize them and a way to prioritize um the actions that you can do now or actions that require more time that you need to allocate time for to do at a later stage. Um, so yeah, so I started utilizing that system. I've been using that for maybe 18 months and I'm only now, you know, you adapt it to obviously your own um, use case. And I'm only now regularly getting a benefit from it because I schedule time every week to look through all the stuff that I've captured. You know, I delete stuff, which I, I don't think is necessary. Then I'll organize, organize the stuff that I do think is necessary, um, whether it's for projects that I'm working on right now or just um, 
to look into further for interests and hobbies. Um, and, and then I, I schedule, so I have a to-do list, but it's not like, oh, I need to get this done on that day at this particular time. It's more a case of, yes, this is what I want to get done. Does it fit in with a project that I'm doing right now? If it does, great. Then I will, you know, there's already time allocated for me to work on that project. So that's when that particular task will get done. If it doesn't fit in with a project that I'm doing right now, then it will go, it will be filed away for a later stage for me to review perhaps at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter um, to see whether it then comes into circulation. But it's just, it's a useful way for um, me to catch your notes and ideas because, you know, listening to a bunch of stuff and learning all the time, there's there's always stuff that comes up. And just to having a system where you can capture those ideas and then organize them and allocate them to, um, uh, you know, section sections at times in the day when you're going to when you're going to get stuff done is is super useful. Now, Matt, you mentioned there when I said you're into productivity, you kind of giggled there, didn't you? <laughs> um, now, you yeah. told me how your day starts. And, and actually, I think this is really interesting because as business owners, it's hard. It's hard to stay organized mm. because we get things thrown at us from every single direction. Yeah. And I tried some time ago, and I loved the book, The 5am Club. I absolutely oh, loved nice. it. Robin Sharma. And, um, yeah. Really, really good. But I took all that knowledge. But the part that got me was the 5am part. And wasn't yeah. so keen on that. So, so applied it all apart from the 5am club. But you actually apply this, don't you? But you more than 5am. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, so uh, maybe eight years ago, I there was a, a, TED, a TED talk, uh, something about um, building a habit in 21 days, something like that. And the the um, the talker said, I got up at 4am for 21 days straight. And it was amazing how much stuff I got done. So I was like, okay, cool, let me try that. So for a period of time, I was getting up at 4am. Um, but it was just a little a little bit too early for me. Um, and then over the last sort of eight years, I've, I've flitted between four and 6am in terms of getting up. Now my, my morning routine is, is the most important part of my day. Um, and it's a routine that I've developed again o- over the last sort of seven or eight years. So at the moment I, I will get up between uh, sort of 4.30, 4.45. And then I'll, I, I will go through a process of uh, working out, uh, meditating, uh, journaling. Uh, I'll spend some time learning um, and then once I've gone through that process, which takes me anywhere, it can take as little as 45 minutes or as long as a couple of hours. Um, then I'm, I'm kind of ready to face the day. So once I've, I've done that, it's like 6.30, 7 o'clock. Um, then I've still got a couple of hours, uh, sometimes three hours before my, my daughter wakes up because um, she's a, a late sleeper. She enjoys her sleep, thankfully. Um, so I'll, I'll get some work done then. And, and you know, there's, if you read a bunch of books, they'll say, do your heavy lifting in the morning and do um, the uh, the most important work first. So for me at the moment, and, and for the last sort of year, it's been, I, I want to practice my writing because if you write clearly, then it helps with your thinking process. Then it helps with your understanding about the stuff that you learn. So I'll spend, you know, 60 minutes um, either writing a blog post or, um, writing some LinkedIn posts or writing some Twitter threads, whatever the case may be. Um, and then I'll spend another 60 minutes prospecting. Um, so I will either jump on LinkedIn uh, or jump on a couple of the platforms that I use and I'll, I'll start to build a prospecting list or continue to build a prospecting list. 
Um, and then really the once I've got those two important things out of the way, then you know, the days that I'm looking after um my daughter myself, I'll work in sort of 90 minute chunks. So I'll know when she sleeps, you know, how long she generally tends to sleep for. I can get one, two or three chunks done during the day and then i'll i'll get another couple of chunks done in the evening and today as we're recording i'm lucky to have got kicked out of the house so i've got i've got a full day where i can just crack on and i'll you know i'll be able to get maybe 11 or 12 hours of work done um and it all comes from sort of knowing what my overarching goal is for the month or for the quarter for the year um, and then distilling that down into like, what are, what are the next actions that I can take today? So um, at the end of today, I'll write down three things that I want to get done tomorrow. So before, well, before the day even starts tomorrow, I know what I need to do. That doesn't mean that I have to waste time running through my to-do list and thinking, oh no, you know, what, what am I going to do today? What's the main focus? Because I've already decided you know, this is what I'm focusing on this week. So in order for me to achieve this this week, I need to complete these steps um i'll at the end of the week i'll carry out a, a weekly review can i interrupt you a second yeah. because i think one thing that we hear on social media so obviously the dcbn has a lot of social media platforms and what sure. we hear again and again from business owners on there is it you know we love seeing people's successes and and i'm sure they will love hearing your productivity and they want to take in lots of hints and tips from that sure. but actually it's really frustrating when we might feel like we're failing. Like, yeah. so I'm like saying to you, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. <laughs> That's yeah. not happening. Every day. But, yeah. but it's really hard sometimes when you see someone such as yourself being super, super productive, going, oh, why am I not doing it? So, so do you want to share what's happened to you in the last week? Because it hasn't gone quite so oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, not this weekend, just gone. The weekend before I um, I completed uh, David Goggins 4x4x48 challenge. So I've been invested in David Goggins for a little while and I, and he does this challenge every year. So it's basically running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So I was like, great, I'm going to do it last weekend. Um, and I planned it all out. I had my food planned. I had all my equipment start, you know, done and I knew my sleep cycle and all that kind of stuff. And I did it. And the, the challenge itself, the distance was hard. You know, I'd not run that long before. 48 miles is a long way. Yeah, it's a long way. It's a long way. Um, the, the irony was my time was getting quicker as the rounds were going along. So whereas I thought I was going to slow down, but that's by the by. Um, <laughs> I um, After completing the challenge, yeah, I hurt and, you know, I was drained for a couple of days, but mentally I was I was shot. Um, I, I couldn't do very much. So, and I, I recognize that. And I think, you know, maybe five years ago, I would have been beating myself up for not being able to do stuff last week. I, I had stuff to do. And uh, as much as, you know, I've been talking about, you know, productivity this and getting stuff done that, the reality is like I'm not as automated or as systemized as you might like to think. So last week, very little got done, which means that, you know, I knew come the weekend and the start of this week, I needed to play some catch up. Um, but the reality is like, you're, you're not going to be perfect all the time. And that's not to say that I am perfect. I think what, as long what's... as you've got the systems in place, it doesn't matter if you, if you sort of go off the rails a bit, does it? Yeah, for sure. I think for me, my morning routine is that's the anchor for my day. If I know that that is nailed, then I, I've already won because, you know, I'm, I'm learning, I'm, um, uh, I'm getting fit and healthy. I'm taking care of my, my headspace. 
um and you know i'm getting the the most important things done before you know the the working day starts uh but there are going to be times when it, it that just doesn't work and that that's also okay you know i think it's being able to recognize and being compassionate enough to yourself to kind of say look i can't go hell for leather all the time um i actually wrote a, a linkedin post this morning where i said look i normally work in sort of six uh, eight or 12 week sprints um and what that means is i'll focus on you know one particular project for that period of time and at the end of that period i'll take you know a couple of days sometimes up to a week where I, I don't work as hard and I, I review the stuff that I've done to kind of identify what's worked, what hasn't, what do I need to change and, you know, what we're going to work on next. And really the running for that period of time required the same decompression period just for your body to recover for one, but also because I was focusing so intently on, and I have 12 rounds of four miles and I'm not going to have very much sleep. And that, you know, at the beginning of each round, I need to do this. And at the end of the round, I need to do that. And I need to, you know, recover in between. That took quite a lot of um, brain power uh, and energy out of me. And I didn't realize how much. Um, so, of course, it, it's necessary to, to recover. But also, it's kind of raised my baseline now. So, whereas before I hadn't run that distance, the longest I'd run was 14 miles the weekend before. Um, now I'm like, okay, I can do 48. So, you know, what, what's, what's next? What we do? Marathon <laughs> next. I've seen you on lives. <laughs> yeah, um, marathon, marathon. marathon. There's a few and a few tough mothers and Spartans. In yeah. There. You're joining yeah, yeah. my world. This is what yeah. I do. But, um, really? Is that what you do? Oh my God. Okay, cool, cool. Come, well, come, and, join me some, come and join some tough mothers. But um, yeah. um, what was going to say? So um, interesting, if we apply this back to the cleaning world, so obviously you've talked about super productivity and obviously you do quite a lot, of, well, an awful lot of physical exercise. Sure. And what we see time and time again with cleaning business owners is that it's quite a physical job. And until you get big enough, you can't get off the tools. Um, and by the time you've physically done six, seven hours cleaning a day, the last thing you can do is, like you were saying, email marketing or this or that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it might not even be that they're doing six or seven hours cleaning. You might only be doing three or four, but then you've got every problem thrown at you and you've got invoices to do. How do you carry on and do the productivity to actually grow your business if you're physically exhausted, mentally exhausted? Yeah. Where do you get that motivation from to then go, I am going to grow this business and make my job even harder to a certain extent? I think... Um you know, it has to, without sounding corny, it has to come from within, right? You, you kind of, when I, uh, when I started my business, I was like, yes, I want to turn it into a seven figure business. Uh, and I, I, I didn't get there. Uh, but I, I always had that as, as a, uh, a sort of external motivation. Um, there's but a I think lot of it's... people trying to do that at the moment. This seven figures seems to be the goal they're all going for. Why seven figures? I don't know. I, I think, um, I think, you know, there's very few, well, very few businesses first off that, that survive obviously the first 12 months, then there's even fewer. And I, I don't know the stats, um, but I know that, you know, the Google search away, there's even fewer that make it um, to seven figures. So I think that's kind of, uh, it's almost like a, a badge of honor. Um, and for me, yeah, I, I had that the first couple of years, uh, it was a case of yes, 
that's what I, you know, that's what I'm aspiring to. But the reality was that once I, I left my full-time job and I sort of focused on growing the business, you know, I was on the tools for, I don't know, three, three and a half, nearly four years um, in my business. And, and I was working uh, a full-time job for the first couple of years. Um, and I, and I just, I, I just had that drive, you know, I, I kind of wanted to be in control of my own time and my own destiny. So for me, um, that was enough of an incentive, even when I was tired, when I didn't want to do it to kind of think, well, uh, if, if you want to get there, then this is, this is the road that you need to travel to, to get there. There isn't there isn't uh, an easy solution unless you know you have you're fortunate enough to to have a, a team of people around you who either are uh, prepared to invest sweat sweat equity so you know they're prepared to go through the grind with you without with very little or no pay um, or you're you're fortunate enough to to have a kind of um, a startup fund where you can employ these people from day one and um, to help you build out you know, this dream that you have in mind. Um, Which most me, people don't have either of those. So yeah, it's exactly. hard work so and long hours. It is, unfortunately. And, and there does come a point where I think you can either stick with going through the same routine all the time, which is, you know, not doing very much marketing or lead gen, just relying on the the existing customers that you have. But then you you kind of reach a plateau. You're, you're not able to, to go any further than than you've gone um there is you kind of need to look and think well if I do want to go further then I, I need to take a risk um and for me you know I'm I'm not risk averse I'm, I'm quite happy to take a risk I, I took a risk I, I left you know a, a decent job to to, <laughs> to focus on my I cleaning business what did you do before what were you doing um so I, I was a property lawyer um i worked uh in uh, london's west end i worked at a, a relatively prestigious law firm um for nearly five years uh so i i qualified in 2008 matt i might need a word with you afterwards i'm trying to buy a house oh it's not yeah there. yeah, yeah <laughs> so that's stressful. Fine. Anyway, i know i can, I can imagine <laughs> i can imagine um yeah i qualified in 2008 so credit crunch um and a lot of it was centered around properties so when I qualified, I got made redundant, unfortunately, because I just finished a two-year training contract. I was promised a job at the end of the training contract. That didn't happen. Um, so then I was out of work for, I don't know, the best part of a year. Um, I got called back by the firm that made me redundant because they needed some maternity cover. So, you know, six months turned into nine. And before they knew it, they offered me a full-time role. Um, but that going through that experience made me think, uh, I don't want to be beholden to anyone. I want to be in control of my own stuff. So um, that's how I ended up starting a cleaning business because I, I spoke with a few friends and they said, oh, yeah, we've, you know, we know people who started cleaning businesses. I thought, OK, well, what, that's, why don't I just do that? Um, and, you know, a typical lawyer, I spent 18 months researching, just researching Obviously. the cleaning market. <laughs> I bet you had brilliant contracts. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. And then my, my partner at the time said, look, are you actually going to stop researching and start doing? And that's that's kind of, you know, how how the how everything started um and that was that was part of the driver for me as well right I thought well if if I'm leaving this job 
then I need to, you know, I need to go through everything that I need to go through to, to get to where I want to get to. Um, and that was, that was the driver for me. So, you know, yes, I was cleaning for a while um, and I didn't particularly enjoy it, but I also thought, well, th this is just another step along the journey to, to building a business that I'm going to be happy with. Um, and that's, you know, that's after going through the initial sort of three or four years of that, and then meeting other people who are on the same sort of journey and then, you know, um, becoming part of a, a community like the DCBN, which would have been quite handy at that time. But um, you did Twitter at the time, did you? Uh, no, I did Facebook actually at the time. Um, and, uh, and networking, you know, B&I and coffee mornings and I don't know, like, yeah, yeah, know well. and all that, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that was, you know, it was useful. Uh, and then eventually built a, built a team and, you know, we had a team of cleaners uh, and then we pivoted everything and we outsourced everything. Um, and then, you know, ended up, ended up selling it. Um, what was it? Was, what, what made you sell it? What was, what preceded you deciding to sell it? Because obviously you've got a business. We all know cleaning business. You can make decent money. You're doing quite well. It's ticking along. You're running it remotely at this stage, I'm guessing. Yeah. Why would you sell something that you could keep taking? You know, a lot of people say the dream is a residual income, whether anything's truly residual, I question, but why would you sell it? Uh, so two things. I had started a, a property management business um, and, and that was going pretty well, uh, which unfortunately didn't survive COVID. Um, but the, the second reason was I just, I'd lost interest to be perfectly honest. And I think I, I love the honesty. I love yeah, it. yeah. And I, I took, I took the businesses as far as my skills at that time were able to take it. So I, I, you know, I, I knew that I needed to, to learn some new skills to, to do something else and to develop further. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily going to be within the cleaning business. So I'd spoken with um, a couple of partners that we were working with at the time, and you know they showed an interest, and, and thankfully you know we managed to get um, we managed to get a deal done. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, the property management business aside, it was just I had lost the passion that I had for you know the cleaning business when I started. I was I was eight nearly nine years in, and um, and it was just. It was time. So the irony to come back to cleaning uh, to help other cleaning business owners, because, you know, I know some of the similar struggles, right? Whether you're moving from resi to commercial or whether you're trying to grow your commercial business, you know, I have been through similar struggles that, that you're going through. So I kind of know. And how do you feel now? Because people must come to you and say some things like, I can't get motivated. You know, Do they say this to you or do they not let you in on all of this? Because they say it to me. <laughs> Yeah, no, some, you know, some as uh, a couple of the clients that we're working with have been have been perfectly honest. But also I think um I think because you already have an existing business that is doing relatively well if you're looking to to expand into commercial or to change to commercial, um then the I think the motivation for a lot of people is look you know, it's kind of, it's a new challenge. I, I want to continue growing my business. Um, and I, I don't feel that, you know, can carrying on with residential is necessarily the, the, the route that's going to enable me to go to the next stage. Um, and, you know, the motivation is 
of course we'll go through periods where we just don't like we we don't enjoy what we're doing you know <laughs> you have it i have it and you go through that and I, I think especially if you're um a sole operator you know it's hard because you're you spend a lot of time alone you know yes you might have a couple of cleaners working for you or whatever the case may be but 95% of the time you're you're on your own so you know it, it really building up some resilience and, and having having an internal driver that that is going to keep you going um is is not something that comes easy to everyone which is why you know joining uh, a network of other business owners so you who can are in plug a similar up for us it's fine Matt. Right? Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> i can do the plugs <laughs> join the dcbn's the answer but, isn't it? <laughs> well, it it is because you know you're 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 speaking with other people who who are going through a similar struggle, right? And that that is, you know, it's one thing that I um I said earlier, you know, I wish was around when when I was going through it because it is hard. None of none of this is easy. You know, the fact that you have started a business and it, it is continuing, like you've already won, right? Because if you think if you look at the statistics, you're they're they're not really stacked in your favor. Um, so then it is a case of, yes, you do have to continue to learn and improve. Um, but it's much easier when you have, when you have a support network. Um, yeah. And that, that is, that's massively valuable. I think okay. that, so, yeah. So Keep Matt, I'm, I'm going to have to wrap this up because sure. come on to nearly an hour now. Um, yeah. so Matt, a final thing then, if you were to give a reason as to why people would benefit from using your lead generation services at the Growth Lab, I've, we've talked about it lots here, but as a final recap, why should they take the leap? We've talked about taking risks and things. Mm. What would they get back if they risked um, spending their money with you at the Growth Lab? So look, our... Um we act as an outbound sales development team for you. So what that means is essentially we go through the steps of building your lists, um, organizing the automation for the outreach and booking face-to-face -face and telephone appointments with clients who are interested in your service to help you either transition into commercial or to continue growing your commercial cleaning business. Now, there is a consistency element to the approach that we take, which is one of the things that that is often overlooked, uh, particularly by owner operators. And um, but also, you know, it means that you're not relying on relationship marketing or waiting for inbound leads from Google AdWords or Google lead services that aren't necessarily going to match the criteria that you're looking for. Um, you know, from our perspective, we don't guarantee, but we're we're pretty confident in being able to book you between five to 10 phone or face-to-face -face appointments every month. Once we've gone through our pilot period, we've nailed your ICP, your ideal client profile. Um, and obviously we've, we've built out your copyright and sequencing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why, you know, if you're interested in, in switching to commercial or growing your commercial cleaning business, then uh, by all means uh, book a call with myself, quite happy to talk you through the process and see whether or not it's a fit for you. And how will they find you? Because your website, which one are you going to use? It's I am Matt Harris, isn't it? Is yeah, one? so that's my blog. Uh, so on my blog, I uh, write about some of the stuff that we do at the Growth Lab. Um, a lot of it is personal interest, so high performance, uh, lifestyle optimization, that sort of stuff, productivity. Um, you can head over and find me on LinkedIn. Uh, so type in Matt Harris. Um, 
and the growth lab and you'll be able to find me on there or if you want to get to our, our website www.thegrowth-lab.com it'll take you to a landing page you'll get a little two or three minute video as an introduction about what we do and then you can book um, a discovery call from there and we'll be quite happy to help perfect well matt it's been a pleasure speaking to you thank you so much and yeah if anybody wants to get in contact have a chat with matt thank awesome. you thanks louise